0: Log
1: Talk Radio. Welcome to the best of TJN science and technology interviews. You're invited to join us to listen to select researchers and scientists share their rarely discussed rediscoveries in science and technologies. The time is now to come forward in our brains and process the discoveries that can now be applied to assist us to master the days, months, and years ahead. So sit back and let your mind soar while your brain processes the best science news from our past that is very relevant to our lives today. Enjoy the best of TJN.
0: Greetings, everyone. How are you? And it's wonderful that you're back with me today. Favorite day on Wednesday, and of course, I always have something wonderful to share with you. Uh, always, as usual, I love having the mind of a scientist. And so, as I was looking through all of my scientific data, I found a very little, a very little but big, interesting story about hygiene. And hygiene is a word that you don't see very often. People really don't talk about it. But it is the literal panacea and the foundation for all standards for taking care of the body. And when we know hygienic protocols, we can do anything. So I've read a wonderful article about writing and how it can help injuries heal faster. And it's brought to my mind the story that I really want to share with you as to how I discovered the five steps to healing any chronic illness. And so how did I discover that? Well, the chronic illness that I had, I had the opportunity to have cancer. And by using journaling and writing, I was able to identify five specific mental and emotional stages that I went through that allowed me to be able to reactivate my immune system so that my immune system could take care of the problem. And all of my patients for over the last 20 years that worked with me, I created something known as lifestyle support so that I literally taught them how to move through these five steps, mentally, physically, emotionally, and what many people call spiritually, so that the immune system could restore itself and the tumors would be taken care of internally or what we call intrinsically on their own. And I tell you, it works. So it's a wonderful um, tool. And to see that uh, science now is uh, attempting to validate in their minds how these hygienic procedures and hygiene is where we are able to use natural methods to bring about the return of balance and what we call scientifically homeostasis. Within the body And throughout all of the systems Of the body And so it was very interesting to uh, Recognize That my colleagues Have gone into investigating this So we're going to talk About what those precise Five stages of how You heal cancer are But I just want to just give you the importance Of the study real quick Now Journaling, or what is known as expressive writing, is known to help aside psychological traumas and improve moods. So there's a new study that has come out to really observe writing characterized by descriptions of one's deepest thoughts and feelings as a benefit for healing the physical body. So the study shows that 49 healthy adults ages from, listen to this, 64 to 97 years of age were advised to write about either upsetting events or daily activities for 20 minutes, three days in a row. And after those three days in a row, they underwent biopsy procedures. Now, in these two groups, the group that did the writing three days before and had their biopsy their incision site, etc., healed in 11 days. As opposed to the group that did not write before their surgical procedure, it took up to 21 days, but they could still trace that the wound site was still in its healing phases you understand that? That's incredible. And so, therefore, what do we find that writing does, and what did I discover, that will allow a body that receives trauma, so whether it's a long chronic infection or the growth of a tumor, you do remember that to be diagnosed with a tumor that is one centimeter takes about five to ten years of cells to collect to become that size. So, uh, you know, when we find a one centimeter tumor, we know this person has had an imbalance in the mental, emotional, and physical body for a minimum of five years. And when you do the history, you can trace back to it. So after this message, I'll be right back. After this break, for more information on... How did I discover the five steps by journaling to heal chronic disease? I'll be right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Jewel. Organo Gold provides fine coffee, green tea, and hot chocolate products blended with the remarkable mushroom known as Ganoderma, referred to by the Cantonese as Ling Shi, the herb of spiritual potency. Ganoderma improves the immune system, increases metabolism, eliminates toxins and free radicals, as well as provides energy and vitality. Organo Gold products Delicious solution that can help ensure that your health and energy balance is one prepared for a lifestyle of longevity. Click the banner on the JewelNetwork.net or send an email to goldcoffeeforlife at gmail.com and get yours today. Well, greetings if you're just tuning. If you're just tuning in, wonderful, because I have a little story to tell you. What we've been talking about is hygiene and how I discovered the five steps to healing any chronic disorder by journaling. And we find that expressive writing allows an individual to do many things with the chemistry of the blood that directly affects the function and the balance of all the systems in the body. So, just very quickly, the story is: having a very very busy practice and a lot of other activities going on with family, etc. I became very almost overwhelmed, literally, with the uh, quality of patients that I was caring for. I developed this reputation that, boy, you know, she's the doctor that I heard that it's, you know, they've given you a timeline, you know, six months to live or whatever else, and they can't do anything for you, you should go see her. You know, she seemed to help a lot of people live much longer than they were uh, touted to be capable of doing. So I had a lot of very, very sick, terminal patients that were coming to me on stretchers and all kinds of situations. And, of course, I really wanted to help them. And then with my family and all these other things, et cetera, I tell you, my immune system, because obviously what did I do? I internalized all this and decided that it was stressful. Now, that was my own brain that did that. That was my own expectations, et cetera, and I decided it was stressful. Now, of course, I know that I could have looked at it now in many other different ways, okay? This is a great opportunity, and oh, my goodness, I could have, you know, seen it a lot of different ways. But at that level of my awareness and how I was hardwired for success, 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 success that is not how I interpreted that. So I can to create a cascade of neurochemicals in my bloodstream based on how I was thinking. Now, this is the clincher in regard to journaling and writing. Because here I am the physician. I have all of these patients that have all kinds of chronic disease, in stage scleroderma, end stage cancers and in stage uh immune disorders of all different types, and they're looking at me for help to literally uh, bring them back to the surface of their own lives, and who could I talk to? Who could I really share that with? And so, therefore, I recognize that, of course, if I went and talked to my patients about the fact that here I am with my own physical imbalance, what would that do to their morale? What would that do to really support them in being able to know that there was hope that they could change their condition. And I don't think that it would have been very supportive. So in that, I felt, again, limited in who I could really share my own personal uh, imbalance with and be able to keep my body appearing healthy, etc. because that's one thing that many people don't recognize, the benefits of taking Action, when you haven't lost your conformation, your geometry, is very, very important because when the body begins to lose its conformation, its geometry, it's very difficult for a a repressed system to know what to do. It's the conformation, the geometry of the body that keeps the cells aware of how they're supposed to function, how they're supposed to occupy their space because the geometry gives them the definition of who and what they are to be. Now, this is very important, and I'm not going to veer us off here, but I've made a very important statement that when we talk about designing organs and tissue transplants, etc., that geometry tells the cells what to become, which is how you can basically train a stem cell to be whatever you want it to be. It is the geometry, the confirmation that tells it what to do. Okay, so, therefore, I said, okay, I've got to get this out of me. What am I going to do? So I said, okay, I've written most of my educational life as scientists. We're always, you know, writing our results, our observations, et cetera. But, of course, that's a totally different type of what I call shorthand. And so, therefore, my capacity to really express myself in just standard uh, English language, expressive writing, my skills weren't that great. I didn't ever use my writing capabilities for that. So I decided to fly to Colorado and take a journaling class. I did that for a whole week, interestingly, in a cloistered convent of all places. So I really enjoyed it. We wrote in the morning to the evenings, and I got the gist of it, so I basically started journaling. And so every day, I would make sure that at the end of the day, I would literally just pour out on the paper what was going on that day, whether it's a situation that might have been disturbing for me and observing a state of health with a particular patient or what's going on with the children or my family or what's happening in a staff meeting, but I just started just journaling all of this. Now, in journaling all of this, etc. of course, at the end of the evening, it always allowed me to be able to rest. And I did not make the correlation that journaling before bedtime also lowers uh, cortisol levels I didn't have that level of sophistication at that time. All I knew was is that, you know, after working all day and then coming in and focusing and and journaling, I just seemed to fall asleep. Sometimes I'd wake up about four hours later and the pen would still be in my hand and, of course, there'd be a line down at the bottom of the paper where I was journaling. So as we go on, I did studies with Native American Indians and just all kinds of things to get alternatives about how I could change the quality of my health, journaling all the time. So finally, after about about six months of just changing the things in my life that I had any ambivalence about, I wrote about what that was like and how the people in my environment responded to these changes that I was making. They didn't really understand it or... They thought it was exciting, whatever, but I would journal that down, too. So I began to have so much fun. I was having all kind of fun, really enjoying myself, and I said, well, you know, I really don't know what condition my body is in, so I haven't been back to my doctor's for almost six months, so let me go and just check everything out. I suspect that everything physically has gotten worse, but I feel that I could transform it. I don't necessarily know what to do, but I feel so great right now. I am really enjoying my life that whatever I discover, I know that I could change it some way, somehow. And that was the phrase that I wrote in my journal, and that's why I can recite it to you after all these years. This happened in 1986, but I can still make that direct quote because that's how I was it in my journal. So I get to my... A uh, doctor, and she's glad to see me. She's like, "Well, you know, I was so concerned about you. You know, I have seen you. You haven't come in, so let's get your blood work." And you know, my problem had also metastasized to my lung, and so it's like, "Okay, well, let's take a look at what's going on in your lungs too." Got the chest X-ray. Chest X-ray was brought back by the technicians because I went to see her privately, and so you know, for she was the administrator of this entire clinic, and so there weren't many patients around, et cetera. So he brought the x-rays right in, put them up on her private uh, viewing board, and I scanned them real quick. And before he could get out the door, I called him back and I said, these aren't my x-rays. They are normal. These are not mine. So he says, oh, no, doctor. He says, you know, we haven't done any chest x-rays for the last two weeks, and these are the only chest x-rays in the developer box. And if you look right down at the bottom, you can see, obviously, in lead letters, that that is your name. And I was, like, amazed. I literally was so amazed that at one point, having a huge mass in my right lung now had gone to totally normal. And there was no formula. There was no particular regimen at all that I was following, at least not from a medical standard. So once I got over the uh, enormous shock of recognizing that some way, somehow I had literally backed into creating the exact condition that I wanted to have in my body, I was very concerned. I was so concerned because I didn't want to Create this again So for me I recognized that if I didn't Know how I Resolved the problem then Obviously I could recreate Circumstances and conditions that Would take me back to point Zero and I didn't want to do that So I thought about it and I said Oh my goodness you know what Did I do how did I do it I've got to basically find the answer So that I don't Pass into Those areas ever again in my life. So it just dawned on me, wow, okay, I got the journals. So I tell you, I went home, I pulled out all my journals, and I really liked journaling because I bought beautiful covers. My journals had beautiful covers on them. Some of them had, you know, sequins on them and, you know, uh, tinsel, gold and silver tinsel on them. They were very, very pretty. So they were great to look at, and so i pulled them all off the shelf, and I really started going through them month by month by month to just see what was going on with me. And I tell you, I discovered something very, very, very wonderful. So I will be right back. My sponsors want to talk to you, and I'll be right back to tell you what I discovered when I reviewed those articles. Oh, amazing. I'll be right back for this message. Journal.
1: Do you love what you hear on TJN? Visit thejewelnetwork.net to sign up for our new membership. For full access to our show archives in their entirety and more, visit www.thejewelnetwork.net for science-edited Thanks for listening.
0: greetings if you are just tuning in. You've tuned in at the right time because we've been talking about hygiene and one of the hygienic tools we've been talking about that most people don't recognize as hygienic is the capacity to journal, to use expressive writing to talk about the things that perhaps you can't say to others or you would like to uh, just reflect yourself and have a mirror that uh, reflects back to you what your thoughts are, but journaling is very powerful and we just talked about stats from a recent uh, scientific experiment that uh, was carried out here the earlier part of this year that demonstrates how having preoperative patients write about any intense emotional or mental experiences they may have, etc. three days before the surgical procedure causes them to heal much more rapidly than patients receiving the same type of surgical procedure by almost 11 days. And that's amazing. So as I was sharing with everyone about the fact that I used journaling, totally unknowing that it was a huge tool in doing what? In lowering the cortisone levels in the blood. This is what the final conclusion is in this scientific journal, is that what they noticed is that the level of stress, the level of cortisol in the bloodstream diminished because they wrote about events, circumstances, or concerns that were being held in the mental body that were definitely emotional perceptions that they had about themselves are events, and by them putting it on paper, the cortisol levels diminished in the bloodstream. And as you know about cortisol, it basically shuts down Many of the natural functions of the major organ systems in the body, because cortisol deals with stress, fight and flight. When you decide that something is stressful for you, immediately the adrenal gland that's on top of the kidneys create this hormone, released into the bloodstream, as well as the brain, and then the body makes a decision. All the nourishment, all of the blood, etc., needs to go where to the muscles and to the area of the brain that will allow me to perceive how I can change this threatening circumstance. All the other organ systems of you know cleanliness, repair, further growth and development, immune function are diminished significantly. And so, now if you heard what I said, think about that. You're walking around every day saying that you're in stress. You've got cortisol in your bloodstream every day. And so how do these systems that have been turned down in function ever get turned back up to their normal level of function or higher when we're in a crisis? And the answer is they don't. So, therefore, by me deciding that I was going to just quietly but intensely write about my concerns mentally and emotionally because I did not have a support team of humans that I could talk to because my environment, I was the one that was expected to deliver and support everyone else. And so, therefore, not wanting them to lose their hope and faith in their support person, I've been committed my thoughts and my emotional uh, perceptions to paper. So after getting the diagnosis that there was nothing further wrong with me, that my lungs were fine, my blood was wonderful, I wanted to be very clear on how I did this. And so therefore the only trace that I had, my little breadcrumbs, were my journals. I reviewed my journals, I contemplated them, and I recognized there were five distinct phases of thought that I went through. What are they? Now, pay attention. This is very important. Phase number one, I accepted responsibility that I had somehow, in some way, created this health challenge. Now, of course, did I know precisely how I created my cancer? Well, no I didn't, not at that time. But I was not gonna be chicken little and I was not gonna run around screaming the sky is falling as though I was the victim. I recognized that if I could take responsibility at at some level, that also gave me the power to change it at least at that level. So therefore days number one, step number one, taking responsibility for the condition that you have created you may not know the details on how but in that you know you've been the major contributor then now that means what well for me my journals indicated that that is significant that you would participate in creating a circumstance a disease that would potentially destroy your body That was fascinating to me, that I would participate in action. I still didn't know which ones they were, that would destroy my body because cancer at that time was alleged to be a terminal disease. So that was amazing to me, which meant for me, stage two was I had to face the fact that there were things going on in my life to such an extent that my body obviously did not want to participate that we were literally choosing death as opposed to life because you don't create a terminal disease and talk about the fact that you're 100% totally devoted to living. You're not. So, therefore, I had to say, okay. Then, obviously, somewhere, somehow in me, There's been areas in my life that I really did not want to be involved in, that I really did not want to face, and I have selected the fact that perhaps not living is an option for me to get out of whatever this is. So I was like, hmm, and that really brought to my attention that I really wasn't a happy person. I was a busy person. We have a lot of people like that. They're quite busy but they are not happy. They are not really enjoying their lives, et cetera. And so they are the ones that are chronically taking medication. They chronically have symptoms. And they chronically literally are, in their language, and in their body language, displaying difficulty and discomfort. Now, therefore, I recognize that stage two, I had to make a decision. Did I want to live or not? Because if I didn't, then obviously I could allow the disease process that I had created, or was diagnosed to have, to just take its course. So therefore I had to decide do I want to live or die since I am at the crossroads with this diagnosis. So I decided that I did want to live, which is stage three, that I did want to live, and that I was willing to create a treatment plan for me that I would 100% abide by. Now, listen very carefully because stage three means that you cannot involve yourself in anything that you are not 100% willing to dedicate yourself to. Actualizing and implementing We have a lot of patients Who they don't want chemotherapy They don't want surgery Well I really don't want to have the hip replacement I really don't want to have a lot of things But the doctor says it's best for me So therefore I think I should go ahead and have it Of course they don't do well There's a lot of complications et cetera. Because as this article is showing us they already have cortisol in the bloodstream and then with these procedures that are offered to them as the only resort they believe, their cortisol levels even go up higher. And so if there's retardation and healing by almost 11 days for individuals who have stress and mental anxieties and then it's compounded by having to put yourself physically through procedures you don't want They don't do well at all. So, therefore, I knew that if I was going to live, I was going to have to basically create a treatment plan, a lifestyle that I could 100% believe in and actualize. And that's what I did. And so, for me, my plan, stage number three, was definitely no chemotherapy, radiation, or surgery. Having given that, uh, I haven't watched patients experience that. I just really didn't see uh, where I could really get the ultimate benefit from that, and I chose some other things. But what I did choose, I committed to it 100% every day. So one of the things I committed to was to make sure that my diet was supplemented very intensely with antioxidants, super vitamins, et cetera. And it was really interesting because I noticed in the journal that I had written, okay, I'm feeling much better, I'm feeling much stronger. However, do I really have to take all these minerals and vitamins for the rest of my life? That was the question that I had written down. And I was like, okay, very interesting. I don't consider that being healthy. If I have to take all these minerals and vitamins for the rest of my life, et cetera, I don't see that as a really healthy lifestyle. And it was kind of like, you know, my head went boing, just a light bulb went off. And it's like, okay, well then, what does a healthy lifestyle really look like to you, Joel? And I was like, yeah, that's interesting. If I was 100% healthy, what would that look like? That was step number four. I took the time to write out my ideal healthy lifestyle. Mentally, how would I be? Emotionally, how would I be? Physically, how would I be? Sexually, as well as spiritually. All of these main areas I found were issues for patients who had chronic and long-term suffering diseases. One of these areas of their life, two or three of them were definitely with a lot of judgment, criticism, inactivity, excessive activity, et cetera, So I recognized that, to me, health was valid. So I had to define how I looked in each one of those major areas of my life. And it was almost devoted to one-third of one journal. I just described each aspect of myself physically, what what I'd be doing, as far as my diet, as far as my exercise plan, the type of clothes that I would wear, the uh, things that I would involve myself in. It was amazing. Mentally, how would I be? How did I like to be able to perceive myself under all these different circumstances? Emotionally, what would my emotions be like? And I decided, for me, I didn't need to have any more, that I recognized that the state of calm and joy was really not an emotion. It was a level of balance that the chemistry emitted from the cells in my body created this resonance or this vibration that allows you to be elated, calm, focused, but yet and still not committed to any particular opinion, et cetera. And I wrote this down in detail. And then as I looked at this and I said, boy, you know, this is a wonderful way of being. It's finally down on me, stage five. It's like, well when are you going to have this kind of assistance tool? And I finally dawned on me that, boy, okay. Well, the only way I can really know when I'm going to have it is that I've got to become it. So stage five was now deciding that this description that I had created of who I am as a healthy being, stage four, I have to choose a date and a time that I would become what I had described and not look back. So it was very interesting because one of the things I said, that a healthy person doesn't take a lot of minerals and vitamins. Their lifestyle is such, the quality food that they eat, how they think, they don't need that. And so, therefore, all these vitamins and minerals, I had lots of high hopes for them, that they were really helping to keep my systems active and keep my body in balance. And then just one day I was just going to just, put them away or throw them away, and, you know, one or two of them that I thought was a decent supplement, a whole food literally in concentrated form that I was going to rely on that to sustain myself, that was a big step mentally in consciousness because I did not recognize how I literally had been programmed to think that just my own body, just myself was enough. We have all been programmed so much that we've got to have something. We've got to have the vitamin pills. we've got to have the medication, or we've got to have something to hold us up and to keep us together. Many of us do not have that appreciation for the incredible capabilities of the human body that we don't need that. And it was so funny. What did I write in my journal? journal? I wrote the fact that, you know, When I sat at the feet of these women who delivered all these wonderful, uh, gave birth to all these wonderful people that I helped to deliver, I never ever saw a little pouch for vitamins or minerals. I never ever saw a little pouch for anything ancillary that we would need to have to carry with us for the rest of our life. Because if you look at the detail of a hand, you look at the detail of the eyelashes, the face, whatever... This intelligence is that creates the confirmation, the geometry for a human body is so detailed and so thorough. I mean, when you look at how the genitalia are made, how the buttocks are made, the foot, this intelligence is incredibly thoughtful, tremendous foresight. And so if you didn't come with your little vitamin bag or little vitamin pouch like a kangaroo or whatever else, I decided that for me that meant that whatever I needed for as long as I lived, it was already in or on my body, just like these little babies that I was delivering, that they came already with everything they needed to live as long as they could. And so, therefore, that was the concept that gave me the trust that I could walk away from all these minerals and vitamins, et cetera, and really begin to live stage five, that is to become what I had designed in my mind as a healthy individual and a healthy lifestyle. So, let's just review those again, five stages that a person progresses through to eradicate eradicate a serious illness, one, they must take responsibility that they somehow, some way, contributed to the creation of this disorder. They may not have the details. It may not have ever dawned on them. But if they're not willing to take responsibility that they played a major role in this and that part of them healing themselves is to learn what that role was, they will not be able to take themselves out of stress. They will continue to make cortisol in the body. Two, it's like, okay, we've got to get down to the brass tacks here. If you have created something now that's blocking organ function, distorting your body, inhibiting your mobility, then we've got to look at the fact that there's been some areas in your life that you have not wanted to deal with, and these limitations, distortions, or opportunities created to eliminate you from being active in these ends of your life. Because if they weren't actually at that point of diagnosis, if you don't change, they will become very limiting. You will not be able to participate, which means it's a form of death. Okay, we always want to think about death as... When the body totally can't move That's not true It is a process And the process is obviously Starting very early When we begin to create Limitation in our body So Stage two is to make a decision Do you want to be all you can be? Do you want to step into your life And begin to live it to the fullest or not? Or Are you on your way out of here? You want to stay restricted You want to stay limited You don't want to be involved Stage two it gives you the opportunity to be honest because most people just don't walk around and say, you know, I really, really want to die here. My life is just really – most people really don't say that. They get into a depression, perhaps, etc. But, you know, just outright say it. When they do that, usually they feel pushed to just go ahead and commit suicide. But when you talk to people who are chronically ill, they have the ambivalence, we want some things out of our life, but other things we don't. So the disease literally becomes a mediator that allows them to only uh, involve themselves in the part of their life they think is important. Now, of course, it's so interesting, the majority of people who are having chronic diseases, they're not going to jump up and say, yeah, that's true, you know, that's right. No, they're not going to do that. But the whole idea that you could say that to yourself jars, your present crystallized state of consciousness to really kind of draw back and really turn around in your own mind to really turn around in your own body and just really question, you know, why do I really feel this way or why do I really think these things when I become very passionate or how, why do I become so threatened at this? You begin to actually look at that and then Stage three is if you decide that you want your life back, then you've got to create a program that you are willing to become and execute that program 100%. Not, oh, I think I'll do this today and, oh, well, we do it for two weeks and then we drop off. No. This is 100% commitment, whatever it is you want chemotherapy radiation you think that's going to help when you're going to be there on time you're going to take your doses you're going to basically ensure that you are not going to have adverse reactions I'm going to keep my hair you can do all these things because once you set the tone and tell the body what it's supposed to do it will do that for you these are the things that we really don't know much about because the science haven't taught us this is not part of our entertainment usually but I'm telling you, whatever you tell the body to do 100% intent, it will carry it out for you. It's an incredible thing. Now, if you have to take vitamins and minerals if you think that's what you need or you have to have certain procedures, I mean, you know, to get through about a bottle of chemotherapy, to have extensive surgery, that's not something you want to have to do over and over again. So if you have one diagnosis that requires these intense changes, you still have millions of other diagnoses that you can have if you get over this one disease, so you have to think about the fact that you know can you do this now for another cancer, or can you do this for a hip replacement? Or do you need to do this, or can we embrace the fact that we need to really look at what does a healthy life look like for me, and do I get a break? I'm going to take this plan and make it work for me to the extent that I can get a break where I'm not going to have any more diseases. And this was what I discovered about how I wrote that stage three, that I would do whatever's necessary to get rid of this disease. And then when I recognized, okay, I don't want to do stage three forever just to stay healthy and will it keep me healthy from all these other disorders, And I recognize, well, the answer is, what does health look like to you? So, therefore, we create our paradigm, our configuration for what a healthy lifestyle is mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and sexually. And we write that down in detail. And so, therefore, it's like now. When are you ready to step into being who you are? Stage five. That is the healthy you. you diagrammed it in detail, stage four, stage five. got to step into it. And that's a real birthday. I consider that a real birthday. I remember seeing in my journals that this was really my rebirth. This was a real birthday, and I was never to look back again ever at those states of consciousness, the uh, allowance of allowing myself to feel emotionally the way that I did, No more of that That my exercise patterns Or how I care for my body All of that was now Part of my lifestyle As a healthy person And it didn't matter what everybody else did Or what they thought was like not important Or whatever, it's what I thought As a healthy person I should Enact on a regular basis To sustain the quality of life That was important for me So Stage four, you have to design your health model for you, what you like, what you love doing, et cetera, that will allow you to be healthy in all of these aspects of yourself. And then stage five is the step of two. So that was what I did, and I lived my step five, stage five, for about four or five months, and as I said, I was having so much fun and enjoying myself just one day. I was like, hmm, okay, well, boy, you haven't paid much attention to the physical body, especially on what's going on inside, so why don't we just get an assessment? And so we'll see what's going on, and most likely, because I haven't, you know, really been paying attention to it, I probably haven't Tumors in both lungs But it's okay You know I can change this I don't know how But I can So I go to my doctor And he takes the blood The blood is totally normal You do the chest x-rays Totally normal And I'm like Just shocked And so therefore The willingness For me to Express myself On paper Which allowed me To be kinesthetic allowed me to be visual, and of course I could hear myself in my head as I was writing this down. I was being back, captivating, visually, auditorily, and kinesthetic all of the intake modalities necessary for my brain to process precise neuropeptides and neurochemicals that were released into my bloodstream that allowed my cortisol levels to diminish, the concept of being in stress and, and anxiety was transformed. All of my systems now went back online, functioning normally, functioning harmoniously, and I'm just living my life, having fun, enjoying myself, etc. and guess what? without any inkling or inclination, I had no idea that my body had returned to its normal function and took care of all of this pathology on its own. So that was a great, great gift for me, and I shared it with as many patients as I could. And so today, here we are. This was in 1986 now. So here we are today seeing that in... uh scientific clinical setting that allowing patients to write about mentally and emotionally what's going on with them, be as descriptive as you like, as detailed as you like, and then having a surgical procedure, they healed 11 days sooner than the norm or the standard, the control that did not have the opportunity to really release the mental and emotional state that they perceive stressful. So they did not have the opportunity to lower their cortisol levels. And so going into surgery with elevated cortisol levels, the body being further traumatized, which then increased the amount of cortisol already in the bloodstream, the healing process was almost totally knocked off its feet. So that's why it took them 11 days longer to heal, and they were still identified 11 days later that they were still in the healing process where the individuals who had undergone the opportunity to journal first and then had their procedures, their healing was just about complete. Maximum seven days, four to seven days. Everything was back to normal. Eleven days after the procedure, the control group was still trying to pull it together. Their wounds still were showing signs of incomplete healing. So when we go into our bookstores, and I used to love going into Barnes & Noble's, and they have a wonderful section of writing instruments and beautiful journals, et cetera. I just really enjoy just going and looking at the journals and deciding, okay, now, what do I want to write about in This one and always getting a new writing instrument. And most of us don't recognize that that is an incredible panacea to keep cortisol levels in the bloodstream, minimize. You don't feel comfortable necessarily telling perhaps your husband or your wife, et cetera. But the pages in a beautiful journal embrace you completely and as securely as possible relative to how you store your journal. And so, therefore, we don't necessarily have to take so much anti-anxiety medication. And we don't necessarily have to smoke so many cigarettes. And perhaps you don't have to run so many more miles or exercise for two hours instead of just a healthy 45 minutes. If you would embrace writing down what is really going on with you and what you really experience, because it does allow the nervous system to discharge neural peptides and neural chemistry into the bloodstream and to transform it so while you're writing the quality of neural peptides and neurotransmitters are literally going from intense fear and insecurity to recognizing that oh we can't change that well this is an option that we have that we can employ this etc totally transforming the quality of neuroproteins and neuropeptides and neurotransmitters into the bloodstream so that the tissues literally are brought down from such a state of anxiety, a state of alert, into final normal stasis and therefore can go back to the normal function. So it's really great. Now if they had a drawn Subsequent levels of cortisol every day, they would have seen this happen, that they would have seen the cortisol levels go down every day the individual is journaling, then the cortisol levels will go up right before, during, and usually 24 to 48 hours after surgery and then fall right down. As opposed to the uh, group, the controls that didn't journal, cortisol levels are much higher at the onset rise at surgery, they come down perhaps to the high baseline prior to surgery, but I'm sure in this case they still remain elevated, which is quite, quite high, and that's why wound healing was delayed because the system was still offline because of the cortisol. So I love hygiene because it allows us to recognize that we have everything within us to heal. And if we would just recognize in our environment the tools that are available that will help us re-equilibrate, rebalance ourselves, we would not need so much ingestion of drugs, so much surgery, and so many other things. So again, the five stages to heal chronic disease, own up to it. Recognize that you use it as a tool to intervene, interfere with you really being 100% committed to your life. Make a decision. Do you want to be present in your life or not? Stage three, if you want to be present in your life, let's create a program that's going to allow you to be able to step back in your life. And that program has to be what your regimen is going to be for your mental body, your emotional body, your physical body, etc. and you're going to execute it and implement it 100%. Stage four, is like, okay, I've stabilized, and so now I really need to get clear about what health looks like to me. You're going to write that out for your mental self, your emotional self, physical self, your sexual self your spiritual self and then you're going to decide when you're going to live that structure that's your new health paradigm and when you're going to become it and that is stage 5 once we enter stage 5 we never look back that is the new us this is how we live and we move forward now what I liked about this five-step procedure, not only did it come from just being willing to just write out what was happening with me every day, but it also allowed me to be so thorough that I never have had to be concerned ever again about any disease. So therefore, we go from being survivors. You know, we hear so many people, oh, I'm a cancer survivor. I'm, you know, we don't want to survive. You want to thrive. So, therefore, that means that, you know, whatever disease you had, you are a victor. I will never have cancer again. I will never have arthritis again. I will never have scleroderma again. I will never have fibromyalgia again because the lifestyle that I have created for myself does not permit that kind of disharmony to occur in my tissues any longer. I don't have that kind of anxiety in my mental state. I don't entertain particular emotions anymore. My sexual life is appropriate for what I've always wanted, and spiritually I have a much, much greater sense of who I am. This is what you can accomplish and through such a simple tool as writing. Creative journaling is an incredible hygienic tool to bring about balance within all of the body, but especially to allow the self to see mentally and emotionally what is really going on with you and to get it out of you so that the chemistry of the brain can change the chemistry of the body. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with me today. I just love telling you these things because having the mind of a scientist, a scientific mind that is allowing you to have a great life every day that you can apply on the moment, the science, that's what it's for because it's all about you. It's just wonderful. So, again, tune in for music for the mind of a scientist tomorrow, some interesting information about the electromagnetic spectrum and sound you want to be aware of, and I'll be back on Monday with more about balancing that brain. And that's one of the things that I did. That was part of my stage three. I brought that right and left hemisphere into balance. It's a wonderful thing. And we'll be back next week. You have a fabulous week. Take care of yourself. And go to your favorite bookstore and buy yourself a beautiful, beautiful journal. I love you very much. And remember, get with the program. You've got to have that balanced brain for the 21st century. Love you much.
1: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the best of TJN science and technology interviews. Join us here every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the Jewel Network, where you're invited to join us to listen to select researchers and scientists share their rarely discussed rediscoveries in science and technologies. For our complete broadcast schedule, additional information, and to purchase products, please visit our website at thejewelnetwork.com, or follow us on Facebook at The Jewel Network. Thank you. This broadcast is under full copyright and trademark protection owned by the House of Jewels. This broadcast in its entirety nor any part of this broadcast can be reproduced, copied, transcribed, placed in podcast format, placed into MP3 format, or suspended on any internet digital location without express permission from the House of Jewels, Washington State, USA. To reproduce or suspend this broadcast in any digital location other than the dual network is prohibited and legal proceedings will follow accordingly. Thank you for listening.